Thank you for tuning into Weathering the Storm podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. That's scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our goal is to help us weather the storms of life by looking to and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. Here is your host, Drew Suttles. Hello and welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to be with you today through this avenue of a podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope and pray that this episode will help you in some way to weather the storm. I do want to make mention that Weathering the Storm is now in Season 3, but this is Season 1 of this podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network. So if you haven't already, please go and like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, visit our website at scatteredabroad.org, and see all the content that you can find there. Subscribe to our email list. Uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or any suggestions for us. We would certainly love to hear from you. And most importantly, we ask that you pray for this effort, as we're all striving to spread the gospel to as many souls as possible through this avenue of a podcast. In this season of Weathering the Storm, we are looking at biblical examples of individuals who faced the storms of life and were able to weather them by placing their trust in God. We are now closing in on the final few episodes of this season, and we are in the New Testament looking at some examples after spending much time in the Old Testament. We've noticed from the New Testament, John the Immerser, and last episode we examined the example of Peter. But today we begin a two-part series on the Apostle Paul. And he was certainly one who knew what it was like to weather the storm. In fact, we read in the book of Acts that he literally faced a storm and was able to come through it. But certainly, as we think about it from a spiritual perspective, and not just a physical, but a spiritual perspective, Paul certainly had to face many, many storms in life and serves as a great example for us today. And so we want to begin in this first part of this two-part series by looking at the Apostle Paul prior to his writing of his epistles. And so we're going to look at who he was before he became a Christian and what took place as soon as he did become a Christian and how he went forth and, and spread the gospel. And again, in our second part of this, next week's episode, we're going to examine more so of what he wrote and the encouragement that he gave to congregations and to individuals, even as he neared the end of his life. And so I'm looking forward to this study of the Apostle Paul with you, again in two parts. We begin part one today. In the first place, as we begin thinking about Paul, let's begin with an examination. An examination. Who was Paul? Paul was also called Saul. This according to Acts 13 and verse 9. Saul means demanded or lent, ditch, or death. Paul means small or little. And so we need to remember that Saul and Paul are two different names for the same person. Sometimes we, we may make the mistake of saying, well, he was Saul, but then he was Paul. Well, it's the same person, just two different names. As a form of the Latin word for Paul, it means little by little or by degree or gradually. And what a wonderful description. You know, Paul was learning and we see his growth process. And so that's what the name Paul means. Remember that one of his names was Hebrew, the other was Latin. So we have Saul, Hebrew, we have Paul in the Latin. He was from Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, which is located in Asia. He was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, Romans 11.1, 1, Philippians 
He was educated in Jerusalem by Gamaliel, Acts 5, 34 through 40, as well as chapter 22 and verse 3. He was a Roman citizen, Acts 16, 37, as well as 22, 25 through 28. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, Philippians 3, 5, a Pharisee, Acts 23, 6. He was known to his countrymen, Acts 9, 21. He had zealously followed the Jewish traditions, Galatians 1, 14. And as a persecutor, Acts 8, 3, Acts 9, 1, and 2, he was present at the stoning of Stephen, Acts 7, 58. Think about all that, that the background information that we can uh, look at when we think about the Apostle Paul. This is who he was. This is an examination of his life. We have one who was highly, highly educated, one who was very zealous in keeping the Jewish tradition certainly a Pharisee, and we understand studying the New Testament what that would have meant. This is someone who the people looked up to as being uh, very, very knowledgeable of the old law. And certainly we think about uh, the Apostle Paul, and this is who he was. So that's an examination. But in the second place, let's think about a reflection. A reflection. Let's, let's kind of put ourselves in Paul's shoes and look back over the things that, that took place in his life. We begin in Acts 8, in Acts chapter 8 as well as chapter 9, we read that during a great persecution of the church, Saul made havoc of the church. This was a, a, a time when God's people, we have the church, of course, being established there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Just a few chapters later, we read of this heavy persecution, and it seems as if Saul is the ringleader. Saul is the one who is leading the charge. In fact, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, we read that he was breathing threats and murder against all the disciples of the Lord. We read that he was hauling men and women into prison, and he did so with hatred. But as we think about some of the statements that he made, again, we're trying to put ourselves in his shoes. Let's, let's think about this reflection here. Galatians 1, 13 and 14. He says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He's reflecting on his own life, saying, this is who I was. This is what I went through. And then in Philippians 3, 4 through 6, he says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, listen to him, blameless. He says, I did exactly what you find in that Jewish law. I, I stayed true to it. it if we can say it this way, you wasn't going to find, you will not be able to find a stronger Jew than the Apostle Paul. You wouldn't have found one who was more strict in that and, and had just knew it like the back of his hand and was zealous. And what did Christianity do? It posed a threat to Judaism, did it not? In fact, Paul would write about that, how, how the old law was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2.14. This was so new to so many who had followed that Jewish law for so long, to hear that there's a new and better way. There's a new covenant. And some of them did not want to let go of that old law. They'd followed it for so long, and their fathers and grandfathers and so many of their family members had followed it. 
No doubt we see Saul who was very, very strong in this. In 1 Timothy 1, 13 through 15, listen to him here. He said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was an insolent man. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord is exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is how Paul felt. He felt like he was the chief of sinners. And so as we think about not only an examination of who he was, but a reflection, reflecting back to who he was, it helps us to gain a better perspective of what he faced and the storm that he had to face of coming out of a life like that to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Think of the guilt that he felt. Think of the weight of his former sins and his past life and, and what he had to carry with him. No doubt he he could be completely forgiven, and he was. His sins were completely washed away by the blood of Christ when he obeyed the gospel. No doubt. But think about preaching to a crowd of people and looking down and seeing a young man, and he knows that he may have, have, may have been responsible for killing that young man's parents. Think about that. Think about how that would have weighed on his heart and his mind. And so as we think about an examination and reflection, it helps us to better see how Paul must have felt going through these difficulties. But in the third place, let's consider the submission. The submission. Now we're noticing a transition from who Saul of Tarsus being this, this, this radical, if you will, a Jewish one who, who knew that Jewish law like the back of his hand, one who was on fire for doing that. Now he's going to be on fire for the Lord. I take us back to Acts chapter 9 for a moment. This chapter begins with him breathing out threatenings against the Lord. He's trying to, to end Christianity. And then we see in this same chapter his submission and obedience to the gospel. You may recall that he's on his way to Damascus. He's trying to bring more Christians back so he can put them into prison, ultimately so he can try to, uh, to persecute as many as possible. And while he's on the road to Damascus, he is blinded by a light from heaven. And then he hears a voice, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? I find it interesting that we read that Saul persecuted the church. Jesus said, you're persecuting me. What does that teach us? That when someone persecutes the church, in essence, they're persecuting Christ. They're persecuting his bride. Therefore, the groom is affected. But then we see Saul, who is blinded by this, and he hears this in verse 6. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? That shows his humble submission. What do you want me to do? What a perfect opportunity for him to say the Lord's prayer or the, the sinner's prayer. What a perfect opportunity for him, for the Lord to say, you don't have to do anything. Verse 7, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. He wasn't saved by faith alone. He wasn't saved by asking Jesus into his heart. He wasn't saved by saying some sinner's prayer that we do not find in Scripture. Jesus said, there's something you must do. Arise and go into the city. When he went into the city, a, a gospel preacher by the uh, man by the name of Ananias came to him. And in verse 15 and 16, we read that Ananias was a little hesitant about it. He said, Lord, you, you know this man. You know what he's done. But the Lord said, he's a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and before rulers. He said, I'm going to show him many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. But no doubt the Lord wanted to use him 
He knew that he had, if he could turn that, that zeal, that fire that he had and turn it on his side, think of the good he could do. And no doubt that's what we find we continue throughout the New Testament. But in verse 18 we read that he was baptized into Christ for the remission of his sins. You couple Acts 9 with Acts 22, especially verse 16. And Ananias said, Why do you wait? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. And so we just read all these things about Saul of Tarsus and what he did, how he murdered Christians, and yet he was forgiven, completely forgiven. He obeyed the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, washed away his sins. And dear friend, if he can be forgiven, certainly we can too. What an encouragement for us. And so we've noticed the examination of who Paul was, a reflection back on what he did. We've noticed the submission, how he humbly submitted to the will of the Father, and he submitted in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in the fourth and final place, before we look to our application, let's consider the action. The action. What did he do once he obeyed the gospel? What happened when he came out of that water grave of baptism? He went on several missionary journeys. He went before kings and rulers, just like the Lord said he would. And no doubt he helped spread the gospel, going into Rome and going to other places of the world. What a powerful evangelist he was. What a great servant he was at the cross. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, one of my favorite verses when considering the life of Paul, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now this is right on the heels of him being baptized into Christ. When he came out of that water grave, he wasted no time. It said immediately he went in the synagogues and he was preaching the gospel. Now this is a man who was just hauling Christians into prison. This was a man who was there when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned. And now he's in the synagogues preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Could you imagine being in the crowd and hearing that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is This, this is the same person, right? This is Saul. This is the one who's been breathing out threatenings against the church. Yes, this is the same person. But as Paul would write later in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when you come out of that watery grave, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's exactly what took place with him. This is a brand new person. This is a Christian who was on fire for the Lord. Now, what do you think happened when he did that? You think he faced the storm? Oh, absolutely. He faced opposition from within and from without. I want to encourage you to read 2 Corinthians the whole book of 2 Corinthians, especially chapter 11, you think about the, the heartache, you think about the struggle, the storms that he faced going through life. No doubt it helps us to see that he was all in for the cause of the Lord. He faced opposition, but he increased in strength when he did so. In verse 29 of Acts 9, it says he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Boldly. He, he didn't shy away. He knew for a fact. I've seen the risen Lord. I've heard him. I obeyed his gospel, and now I'm coming to preach the truth. What a powerful example we have in Paul. In chapter 14 and verse 19, we read that he's going and preaching the gospel, and he was stoned and dragged out of the city to be left for dead. You want to talk about a storm? But in verse 20, he rose up and he went into the city. What an example. Most people would have said, okay, well, I'm done. I'm going to go back to my former way. Right, this isn't worth it. But no, he got right back up and went. Why? Because he knew it was worth it. 
He knew what he had done before. He, he knew that God had shed his grace on him. He knew that the Lord had died for him. Now he understood the truth, and now he's boldly going, and he's proclaiming it, and he's living it, and he's not shying away from the truth. Again, we, we consider 2 Corinthians 11. I want you to walk through that text when you finish this episode. I would encourage you to do that. Read about what he went through. But keep in mind that, that he submitted to the Lord and he went right to work. And so in this episode, we've noticed an examination of who Paul was, a reflection of his former life, his submission, his obedience to the gospel, and the action. When he came out of that watery grave, he went forth boldly proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. As we close, let's consider three quick points of application that will help us to weather the storm. When the Apostle Paul learned the truth, he took his zeal and put it in its proper place. You know, in Romans 10, in verse 2, he, he said, I bear witness that they, speaking of Israel, they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. And that's the same thing with him. He had a zeal for God. He was very zealous, but it wasn't according to knowledge. When he came to the knowledge of the truth, he turned that zeal into the right place, and he went forth and proclaimed the truth. That helped him to weather the storm. The same ought to be for us, too. When we learn the truth, when we come to that, let's be zealous about it. Let's make sure that that's the thing that we're most excited about is spreading the gospel. And that's what Paul did, and it helped him to stay focused. But number two, when he submitted to the Lord, he let go of his past accolades, Philippians 3, 7 and 8. The good and the bad, what he had, all of these uh, the education that he received and all the praise that he had and the popularity and all those things, he said, no. Now that, I've, now that I've learned Christ, now that I know who Jesus is, now that I'm a Christian, those things are gone. I count those lost that I may win Christ. That needs to be our mentality. Whatever good or, or whatever bad that we've done before, listen, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about being more like him. And we learned that from Paul, and that helped him to weather the storm. But third and finally, when he received an opportunity to reflect the light of Christ to others, he did so with boldness and with love. This is what helped him stay motivated, to stay the course even in the midst of many storms. He was going to go through all kinds of persecution, but he knew he had this opportunity to live for the Lord, and he wasn't going to waste it. And again, what an example for us as we strive to weather the storms that we face. I thank you so much for listening today, and I, and I certainly hope you'll join us in our next episode as we continue our discussion on the Apostle Paul with a focus on the things that he wrote in his epistles to strengthen and encourage congregations, but also to strengthen and encourage individuals who were striving to weather the storm. And dear friends, I hope and pray that this episode will help you in some way to weather the storm. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.